0: Hello and welcome to this lunchtime podcast from uh, Quant Training. Uh, it's an APMP podcast, uh, and today we're going to be looking at risk management uh, and uh, incorporating issue management as well. So, my name's Adam. I'm here with my colleague Tim, who's eating his lunch. Can you see? Can you speak now, Tim? No? Okay, he's here. Uh, so, t- take my word for it; you will hear him at some point. Uh, so let's have a look at the assessment criteria we've got to explain each stage in a risk management process uh, explain the ris- possible responses of risks uh, to both threats and opportunities explain the benefits of risk management differentiate between a risk and an issue and then have a quick look at the advantages and disadvantages of uh, escalating issues and risks i think we'll be focusing on the advantages so so risk management what is a risk tim quickly i mean yeah we probably don't need to speak this too long i think you it probably was sat on the course. Hopefully, they've picked
1: that up. But what is a risk? A risk is uh, something that has uncertainty and mm. um, that may affect the project's outcome. So, we typically equate risks with threats. Um, so, uncertainty that manifests itself in a negative way. But also, it may the uncertainty may manifest itself in a positive way. So, risks could also help identify opportunity. But the yes. key to it is that there's uncertainty. Okay.
0: And we'll come back to what an issue is later. So, yeah, risks is uncertainty. We're taking a step into the unknown with projects. Um, okay, there's a risk management process. Let's uh, let's crack through this. So the first step is initiate. Uh, then we'll identify risks. Then we'll assess them. We'll plan some responses and implement them. So let's have a quick look at that first step in the process, initiate.
1: It's not a very
0: helpful word, is it?
1: Not really, no. Well, are initiating the, proce- uh, the process. So really what's should go on here is that you're writing the risk management plan or or strategy for the project as discussed in the pmp hmm. podcast so even though there may be some generic areas of this each project is meant to be unique and how it regards risk is one of the unique characteristics because um there ought to be a, a tolerance line for the project in terms of um, assessed probabilities and assessed impacts and that ought to be conveyed to the project manager so it ought to be known to him or her when it's okay for him or her to manage the risk and when it is that they ought to escalate to the project sponsor. Um, also contains other things such as roles and responsibilities, but um, an important part of the risk management plan is that it should contain, contain information about the scales for probability and impact. Because if you've just got very low, low, medium, high, very high, it doesn't really mean anything, it's really quite subjective. Whereas say if you've got an impact which is on money, and the overall project budget was £100,000. Then a very low impact could be anything up to, say, £1,000. Low could be up to 2000 Medium could be up to 4000 So you get the idea. Whereas or would the... I'd be? <laughs> you get the idea. Yeah. Um, whereas if the project um, was forecast to cost £2 million, yeah. then anything up to £10,000 could be very low and um, so two people armed with the same information then ought to classify risks in pretty much the same way which is important because that's going to influence the responses
0: good, lovely so the first step then, uh, initiate is all about writing the, the risk management plan finding uh, the sort of things you were talking about there Tim uh, the next step is identify so we need to identify risk to the project many ways of uh, going about this um, we can run workshops where we simply get as many people the, the team and, and so on together and uh, just simply throw out the question, where do you see the risks to this project? We might conduct uh, one-to-one interviews, rather than workshops in some case, maybe very specialist knowledge where frankly everyone else will be a bit bored. Um, maybe uh, the, the whole group dynamics thing in a workshop, maybe that some people are reluctant to air views in front of others, so uh, one-to-one interviews can help overcome some of that. Other ways of identifying risks, uh, we can use prompt lists, so these are just uh, lists, there's lots of them available over the internet, uh, kind of questions and categories to look for risk for. So very common risks that would affect uh, projects. Uh, we can use checklists. These would be uh, lists compiled. Usually uh, if, if you're collecting good data and and uh, quite serious about learning lessons and so on in an organisation, you can pretty much start off every project with a, a sort of list of questions to ask. Um, based upon risks that have happened in previous similar projects. We can do some assumptions analysis, some constraints analysis. Um, We can use the Delphi technique, indeed. Uh, We were having an off-air discussion about the Delphi technique a minute minute or two ago. If only it was recorded. (laughs) Because (laughs) that is the sort of uh, things we do. Um, So lots of ways of identifying risks, and uh, you can learn about more of those uh, on the course. The next step is... um, Assessing risks and we assess them as Tim mentioned for both probability and impact because these are distinct characteristics of a risk. The probability, of course, how likely a risk is to occur, the impact, the effects it would have on your project were it to occur. And we're not very good, we're not very good at differentiating those two uh, aspects of a risk in our minds. So it's important we actually uh, logically lay this stuff out, okay. so we'll, we'll, we'll have risks that are, you know, highly likely but of low impact. We'll have other risks that are not very likely but of high impact and, of course, all degrees in between. What do we do then, Tim, once we've assessed these risks?
1: Um, once you've assessed them, then, it's, you should move to the next step, which would be to plan your responses.
0: Okay. Um, now... Um, should we just talk about threats for a moment? These are the bad risks. These are the things we might normally consider risks. Yeah, so risks.
1: At, this, um, at this step where you're planning your responses, you're not choosing them. Um, you're just looking at different possible ways um, of suppressing, if are looking at threats in this instance, of suppressing the threat and looking at the relative merits and demerits of all of them and also um, seeing whether or not the response itself may introduce a risk that might not otherwise have been there. A secondary, a secondary risk, risk indeed. Yeah. Mm. So, rather than just jumping straight to implementing the response, this is quite an important part of um, of the process. So, in terms of the the options that you have, um, you may be able to avoid the risk. And if you can avoid a threat, then you're absolutely certain that it cannot occur. Mm. And that isn't going to be possible for absolutely everything. But if you had a threat relating to a certain supplier, and you chose to cancel the contract with that supplier. You're avoiding that threat. There would then be a secondary risk in the contract you'd inevitably have to take out with another supplier. Um, and that's something that you'd have to um, have to work out. Um, so you may choose to look into reducing the likelihood of the threat and the impact if it did. Or you, you can reduce sometimes one or the other. Yeah, it, it, does, it does depend. Like sometimes you haven't got the control to do, um, to do both. Mm. Um, but there will still be some risk left if you are reducing the risk. So what's called mm. a residual risk. Um, you may opt to transfer and so typically in terms of transferring you're transferring the financial impact mm. and there will still be some residual risk so there may be like reputational risk that even though you may well put a damages clause in a contract with a supplier and they're late um, and you get some financial recompense from them it doesn't really matter too much to the wider populace who just see, say for instance if it was a, a council project they just blame the council mm. so it's still going to be the That's reputational risk that will be on you um, so an, an insurance policy might be another example of transference yeah. um, you may be able to share and um, share typically is um, for both opportunities and threats so a, a shared pain shared gain contract a gain share contracts they've been called sometimes um, where you can have agreements at the time which the contract is signed to say if we were to be late um, this is how we're going to divvy up the cost of those over and similarly if we were to be early this is how we'd divvy that up um, you may accept the threat so what kind of threats That's might you accept Adam?
0: Well, I would imagine the ones that are likely to be low low i mean you know uh, I mean you can accept any risk but and, and a bit of it, of course is going to depend upon your your personal or your organization's risk appetite but um generally speaking, of course, there would be the the ones with the lower impact the the less likely with the lower impact
1: yeah, well that's it so so ones that would be um very low or low impact um it may be okay to accept them just for now, and you're monitoring them to see whether or not it's going to increase. Um, But even risks that are of a high degree of impact, they would require require escalation up to the primary risk-taker for the project the sponsor. Um, But he or she may just determine that either there's nothing that can be done about it or it's too expensive. And so it may be a reluctant acceptance. Um, But nevertheless, you're managing the risk because you have taken a conscious decision. Well, the main thing is, as you say,
0: you've thought about it. Yeah. And then if people agree it's an, an acceptable response... That's fine. Yeah.
1: Um, and so, linked to issue management, you may have a contingency plan. So, should the risk occur and become an issue, in that there's no uncertainty, um, then you've got a plan B to deal with it. Um, so, the difference really between reduction and contingency is that the response could be very similar, but the difference between them is timing. Um, reduction is something that you choose to do now, contingency is something that you invoke just in case it's required.
0: Good. All right. Uh, that was uh, clear and succinct. Um, First time of everything so uh, uh good okay <laughs> so opportunities opportunities uh, some responses to opportunities um, they, they, they you know they, they're hugely related of course to the uh, responses to threats, so we can exploit a, an opportunity uh this means to incorporate in your project really to make it unavoidable, so you you would ensure that uh, this good thing um, happened really and and that it, that you uh, you actually incorporate it in your project scope. Uh, You can enhance, uh, the opposite of reduce, really. So you can either enhance the likelihood of a good thing happening or the impact of a good thing if it did happen. Uh, You can share risk, as Tim said earlier. um, It's it's all about sharing both gain and pain. So share is a a valid response for an opportunity. You can reject an opportunity. Uh, Many of us spend our lives doing this, don't we? Um, So you don't have to take up every opportunity. Maybe you haven't got the time or or you've got more important things to be dealing on with. Uh, and again you can have a sort of fallback a contingency so just as you could be prepared f- to do something if a bad thing happened you could be prepared to do something if this good thing happened. so again this sort of reactive response so there are risk responses and then we will go on and implement these responses which is pretty much what we say we we like is to do some uh, replanning and so on uh, carry out the actions required to uh, tackle the risks. So, what do you want to say about issues, then, Tim? Uh, which is this sort of slightly subtopic here?
1: Yeah. So, an issue is something that requires escalation. So, between the different tiers of management. So, a team member up to a team manager, team manager up to project manager, project manager up to project sponsor. Um, and in order for that to really be meaningful, the demarcation between the levels of management must be made clear. Mm. And equally as well, in order for this to work, there ought to be. A lack of a blame culture and if people are to raise an issue they ought to be confident that the person to whom they've raised it would actually do something about it mm. so if they just fire it back to say well it's got nothing to do with me you do it and you say well you set out the rules for this then people just lose their belief in it and so it's something that works very well on paper um, but doesn't always work too well in real life because people can be reluctant sometimes um, to raise an issue because they're fearful of getting blame. And at least lesson learned there Liam Neeson <laughs> yeah, and uh, any other people called Le- uh, Neeson and um, so um so yeah so as regards um, the issues then um an issue basically would be something like a fire that requires putting out um and it's beyond your uh, a,
0: a real fire
1: or, or a metaphorical fire would be? it could be either or both <coughs> right okay yeah, yeah. so there could or be there, there could be an actual fire this, this is a both a metaphorical and a physical <laughs> fire well, not simultaneously, uh, oh, okay. but, you know, you could have instances okay. of, of both in a project. Right? Yeah,
0: so st- uh, issues, uh, they're definite, aren't they? I mean, uh, risk is, is uncertainty. It's something that may or may not happen. An issue has uh, happened or will happen, uh, and it requires asking. So it's very similar to the kind of a, uh, tolerances exception process in Prince, if that helps anyone. Good. Okay. Uh, well, we've done risk management then. Bye, Tim. Bye, Adam.